Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. It's now part of the Frequency Podcast Network. That's pretty cool. My guest this week is Sheila McLeod, an actor with a long, rich list of screen credits ranging from Dennis Potter's Cream in My Coffee to The A-Team and The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and runs on Wish Me Luck, Peak Practice, The Bill, Holby City, and Doctors. She recently appeared in Carolyn Saunders' psychological horror drama The Wasting, and she makes her feature directorial debut with Astronaut, a gentle drama starring Richard Dreyfuss as a widowed engineer who enters a contest for a ticket into space. It's on screens in Vancouver and Toronto right now, and available for rental and purchase on iTunes and Google Play, and you should give it a shot. Sheila picked Moon, Duncan Jones's 2009 debut, starring Sam Rockwell as a lonely technician nearing the end of a three-year stint on an isolated lunar base and looking forward to the trip back to Earth only to find himself questioning everything when a minor accident leads to the arrival of a new worker and a shocking revelation. Well, one of several, really. We're obviously going to get into major spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film, please stop now and go do that. Are you back? Great. Let's get into it. This is someone else's movie. I love the genre because I think it's kind of like, we call it in England, near-fi, so it's kind of sci-fi, but it's also a very human story. Mm-hmm. So it's not spaceship shooting at each other and mad dashes through the universe. It's it's a recognisable world almost, although it's set on the moon. And I love it because it's a human story, but it's about identity. And um, there's such a sort of sorrowful, melancholic tone in the film in Moon that I'm I'm drawn to as a, as a, a new writer and a new director because um, you know I've just directed my first feature film yeah um, Astronaut and um, I, when I first saw it I was just blown away I was blown away by the design the tone was so perfect um, the grade was brilliant the performances Sam Rockwell was astonishing mm. um, performances plural is almost a bit of a, yeah. a stretch really it he, is a one man he's show. always been one of my favourite actors I mean I've, I, I'm a bit obsessed with Sam Rockwell <laughs> as an actor myself there's something about him as an actor that just he's got the star thing going on but he's also got that everyday actor quality to him where he does really transform so he doesn't play one part again and again. He plays off himself again and again, mm. but he manages to transform into into another character. And there was such plight in the story. It had the ticking clock, which was great, you know. Um, it had this incredible twist in the in the middle, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, I. I, I mean, I don't know how many spoilers I'm allowed to give. I mean, it's a 10-year-old film, I think. Yeah, yeah, feel, yeah. Well, free. I mean, you know, well, the uh, twist is, you know, of course, when he finds out that he's not the only one and he is... He's not the only him, he, yeah. He's the, not the only him. And and I, I thought it was such an interesting concept. I'm really interested in, interested in clones, in AI. I just, I find it a fascinating, uh, you know, pro- fascinating progress at the moment, too, because AI is coming along and along and cloning's coming along and along and... And I, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I just, I'm intrigued by it. And it was the sort of loneliness of this character, you know, that he, he's, he, and and the brilliance of the script by Nathan Parker, um, I believe, 
who fed us all those little clues. And I, as the viewer, and probably most other people watched it, were gagging for more. But you were... So it was almost like a mystery as well. You were constantly trying to work out who this guy was. You know, he wants to go home. And, and really, in, in one line, it's about a story of a man who wants to go home. Yeah. And I really, I really empathise with that because I think that, that, that quest to explore is huge uh, in me, in Richard Dreyfus, I've just worked with him, the whole space race at the moment. But also the quest to return home is, is it's a funny old push and pull thing that goes on. And I thought that was beautifully done in the film. Yeah. And in Moon, you also have the additional loaded metaphor that no one wants him at home, that, that this, this person, because he is absolutely a person, uh, is not wanted on voyage right he's supposed to stay there and the, the the thing that the thing that surprised me when i started watching the film the very first time i saw it was was the the sort of pleasure it takes in the old 70s looking special effects and the min- those are clearly miniatures they're they're almost lovingly rendered mm-hmm. you're seeing the type of film that duncan jones presumably grew up with mm-hmm. silent running mm-hmm. and, and yeah. well, maybe even logan's run things like that where they imagine a future that was not quite dystopian, but manipulative and, yeah. and, and stacked against average mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And that mood just sort of snaps right in and, and Rockwell inhabits it perfectly. And there are even some subtle styling choices on his suits and his even his haircut, which is totally yeah. functional. Yeah. Speaks to that sort of broken in future. Yeah. Alien was another thing I thought of too. Just the, the working class space travel stuff. Yeah. And then slowly... I think it was maybe a few hours after I left the theater, you start realizing how cruel it all is. Mm-hmm. How I, I started wondering, you know, is, is the videotape of the family even real? Is any of this real? This is all just, he's a worker bee, he's there to do a job and nothing else, and he's, he's promised endlessly by this corporation in the form of, sadly, Kevin Spacey now, we have to deal mm-hmm. with that, but um, this form, this, this little... Uh, ambivalent robot voice that speaks to him sort of kindly, but also might just be feeding, is feeding him lie after lie. Mm-hmm. And the cynicism of it was just so heartbreaking because mm-hmm. I have, I mean, I know there's nowhere else this film can go. It has to end where it ends. Mm-hmm. But I really want to know what happens, what's waiting for him because. Yeah, when he gets back to Earth. Yeah, yeah. We have no idea how much time has passed. We have no idea if this person even existed, yeah. really. Yeah. The, the prime Rockwell. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that though, about the film. I like the fact that I was, uh, I was held in this spell, mm. and I love the foreshadowing in the film of him burning his hand and turning, and there was this girl sitting in the chair, and you thought, who the hell is she? And 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 the the, the foreshadowing was what to come, and you know, rewatching it again and again, I just see how brilliantly placed everything is to yeah. to build up that world so the world is so for me being of a certain age is very recognizable i mean it's very 70s very you know as you say it's a sort of weird somber world that and and and, and so simple that you think how on earth would he survive in that but he does yeah. um and i also loved um you know going back to the clues and the and the teases that uh um, Nathan Parker and um, Duncan Jones did so well is when he's he's phoning in the report of the day first up and he gets that interference 
in the playback mm-hmm. and he suddenly sees another him the glitch, but yeah. doesn't recognize it and and it's a guy with a beard and and Duncan Jones plays with the form of it I think but back to the foreshadowing and and the teases that were there and and that wonderful twist when he goes out and he has to there's something jammed as one of the machines is jammed the harvester's jammed mm-hmm. but um it's also it's also the way the performances by Sam Rockwell are so different and yet there's a kind of connection between obviously it's the you know same actor mm-hmm. and it's a clone playing a clone you know it's a, but it, it this as an actor again I look at it and think how did he do that because he must have had a, a, a double yeah a, and then just just keeping the actual technical side of it keeping present to remember that character's journey each time and then stepping to the other character and remembering what his background was and what his history was and so these these little clones who had, had a three-year lifespan um i think it's three years um yeah three years three years buddy he says that's what he says three years it's a long time had had their individual um aspects to their character and uh, that also made me ask the question was that were they evolving themselves naturally were they programmed to do that to have a slightly different personality or did did the clone start like that and gradually become this guy at the end of three years who was tired and worn down and fed up and just wanted to go home yeah so it asks all these questions and Sure, it doesn't necessarily give the answer, but I didn't care. Yeah. I, d- I hate being, you know, for for a film like that to keep to keep those questions up in the air. It really, really worked. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, there's context provided. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and and that did get me thinking too. It's like I'm pretty sure if you're going to do something this horrible as a project, it's a boys from Brazil situation where yeah. you would need to sort of plan out all the psychological beats and figure mm. out what information to dangle in order to keep him interested, yeah. but not enough that he stops working. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I mean. There's somewhere out there, there's a movie about this corporation. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's just a horror story. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Uh, and one day will possibly be true. Too. Yeah. Oh, so, sure you know, like all the great films, you know, they, 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 they see, see into the future like magicians and, uh, you know, Nothing stranger than art, or art follows. No, the other way around. Yeah. Science follows art, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the um, the idea too of the the motion capture, the motion control, rather, uh, being the only real effect, the 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 biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a self contained story. It's got one actor present, and then the, the double, presumably, and also whoever placed people on the video feeds. Mm-hmm. But you can shoot this precisely you mm-hmm. it's all sound stages you can control everything mm-hmm. as a as a first feature it's a really smart move and then to have a concept that keeps people interested and invested even when maybe you're spending a little too much time with one person mm-hmm. it's the safeties are built into it which is great and then you absolutely have the the treasure of Sam Rock. There's a moment where he's passive aggressive with himself yeah. which is just my yeah. favorite bit of yeah. his acting yeah he he is he sort of he he goes on a journey and and you go with him so not just within the sort of story world but he goes on a character journey as yeah. well and and it's commenting on himself and 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 his introspection and his his oh i just i just thought it was a superb superb 
piece, and I and the Clive Mansell, Clint Mansell, the Clint Mansell, um, yeah, fantastic from... uh, uh, composer. You know the touch when I mean, I you we, we talked a lot about this when we were making Astronaut, which is a completely different film, of course. Yeah. But but I said I made everybody watch Moon, and I said you have to watch this film and just look at the way a there's a. Uh, musical refrain all the way through there's a motif there but also the genius of Clint Mansell when he he discovers he's a clone and they discover where all the clones are, are. and it's nursery music it's da 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 really disturbing for how soft and gentle that and, moment and is. you know they're going into the nursery of these clones and, and it brings up such a poignant uh, uh, element to the film that you can only feel, as a watcher, as a, a, an audience, you feel it's like going back into the womb for them. And and they see who they are, and they're just a number. They're just a, 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 a you know, artificial yeah. clone in a box. And, the there, next, are, and there are hundreds of them, too. Yeah. So it's they were planning to be there for a thousand years, maybe. And Yeah, it's, it's horrible in that perfectly logical way yeah in that it is completely understandable that this would happen and as long as you don't think about the consequences i was trying to remember when when i was planning this episode just uh once i got your selections it was the foxconn scandal happening around this time the 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 workers in china who make iphones and who were killing themselves because they were being worked too hard and wow. the ones who stayed were exposed to i'm pretty sure there's a there's a chemical poisoning aspect to it as well mercury or, or yeah. one of the rare earth yeah, metals yeah, yeah. and it's just those things that we're doing this now like we're yeah. already in this place where well i don't think about where my shrimp came from I yeah mean, it's yeah, probably sure. from sure. slavery and in, in, uh, well, i mean china has the worst human records yeah mm. but that the foxconn thing the iphone thing is the first thing that i thought of and mm. moon would have been made the year of the iPhone, and mm. it was shot in 2008 when the mm. iPhone emerged. And Gosh, it was that long ago. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's completely coincidental because mm. none of that information had come to light. But again, it suits the 70s textures because mm. those films were always about, at the root, it was all about conspiracy and mm. cruelty and, and corporate and, or um, you know, military-industrial mm. conspiracy profiteering. And it just feels like it crawled out of that, like it's from its own time warp. Yeah, it's it really, emerged in the present. Yeah, yeah, and I and I love the kind of you know the guys that are apparently coming to rescue him with the cheerful voice from England. You've done enough, sir. Yeah. You've done enough, Sam Bell. You know, don't worry about it. Well, and it was, it was just brutal. Yeah. That, and, you know, congratulating him on doing a good job, and you know, they were going to finish him off, and. Yeah. Uh, 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 and he was struggling with the fact that he knew who he was at this point. And, and who he and, wasn't. And who he wasn't, yeah. yeah. And, and the loss of that life that they had programmed into him of the wife and the being pregnant with their child mm. and, you know, he'd been a bad boy and he was going to be a better husband when he got back. It was just, honestly, just genius. And, the you know, the ticking clock was great because he structured it. It's such a beautifully structured film because yeah. suddenly the tension is there and he does the noble thing, the original Sam Bell, and he sacrifices. Although he's in such a state at that yes, point, yes. Um, you know the decay was amazing. About uh, the realization of that decay was just again brilliant from all departments. You know, from makeup, from every production design, everything, and of the act himself. But you know, he he was he he did the ultimate sacrifice. He sacrificed himself to give his place to the new Sam Sam mm. Bell. To escape. Right, which could also, or, or does resonate with the idea of him 
wanting to be the father he never was. So he's doing that thing where he makes way for the new generation. Yeah. And and Rock yeah, Rockwell, again, this is where it gets tricky because I'm gonna have to reference which one he's playing, but yeah. but old, the older Sam uh, is is rendered as such a I mean, it's a version of Sam Rockwell we've seen before. He's played injured, he's played mm. wounded emotionally and physically, but he has this way of tossing off pain mm. as an actor that mm. almost... Michael Shannon kind of does it mm. too, but it's just that absolute refusal to engage with mm. it. it. It's like he's trying to ignore it, but we can see the effort come Yeah, through. I mean, it's I I think um, an actress, Judy Dench, does it too. She oh, has this... Yes. I think she has this absolute broken quality to her, which she layers with... With, with bravado, you yeah, know, resolve and, and yeah, yeah, resolve, and she, so she's always got that. Uh, you know, I hate to say vulnerability, but because you know it's a cliche. You know, mm-hmm. as a young actor, I was always going, and this, you know, the brief would always be strong but vulnerable, and you think, well, which should I be when I walk into the room? I don't know. You yeah. know, do you want strong or do you want vulnerable? You know, but 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 I get it. You know, because he is strong, but he is vulnerable yeah. as well, and so you've got that kind of broken broken quality hiding underneath squished down mm. just peeking through yeah and because it's sam rockwell he can't not be funny he, yeah he always finds a way to, to yeah put a little which just, is brilliant yeah. you know it's brilliant the lightness and, and it's despair so easy to be you know when you've got a, 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 a um, sad scene to 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 you know over egg it and and play the obvious and yeah. uh, you know I can't think of the word. I'm struggling for the word when we we go over the top as actors and and uh, emote. Yes. We emote too much. Yeah. And I've seen myself do that on screen. So I think, oh no, shut up, never do that again. But you learn, you learn, you yeah. learn, and each time you do it, you learn. Yeah, Streep always said, um, back in the '80s, I remember one of the first and most important bits of acting understanding I ever had was that she just said, if you're doing something serious, laugh. Yeah. Just reverse it, and it automatically reads as though you're trying to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes people lean in a little further. Yeah. And Rockwell does it just naturally. Yeah, he does. Uh, instinctively. Yeah. And he's so good at just whatever the thing is where he is hiding something from his his co-stars but not the camera. He can do that intuitively. Mm. Um, and watching him do it opposite himself which mm. has to be a special effect mm. there is no way he could have actually played that in real time it's incredible because his his scene partner clearly was gifted enough to give him whatever he needed mm. but there are just moments where the confusion of of new sam is met with impatience by old sam yeah. which is just in the moment instant like yeah. the timing on that is incredible yeah incredible and so human too really, yeah isn't it? and it just makes you relate to this movie that you're watching you know it, uh, somebody else pointed it out i wish i'd thought of it first but it's, if you look if you pull back the entire film is performed by artificial characters yeah. no one is real mm-hmm. if you accept that the video feeds are pre-recorded mm-hmm. or that the voice mm-hmm. is an actor nothing you see mm-hmm. is "Quote unquote human," mm. but it is the most profoundly human experience. Yeah, because also you know, it's as as, as we said earlier, yeah, yeah. it's it's the character's progression, the the development in that one and a half hours because it's not not a great no, long it's movie. Very economical, and it's perfect. The timing is perfect. It never there is not one second wasted in that film. You know, I kind of wanted to go on. I wanted to see, as you say, he yeah. wanted to get back to Earth. And did he make it? And did he? Did they find a way of saving him so that he could live longer than his? But then I thought, oh gosh, he got back, and they did it so economically. You know, they shot him in that 
uh, you know, the, the horrible capsule, small yeah. capsule. And, sh- and then you had just the voiceovers saying, you know, this guy says he's from, you know, he's been on the moon and he's, I believe him and all that stuff. And you just totally went with it. And I mean, the, you know, the old story, of course, is set the rules and that will follow, you know. Yeah. And if you set the rules early on, you can go anywhere with a storyteller because you've set the rules fairly early on. Yeah, there's one ask, there's one big moment that that pushes it, which yeah. is just the introduction of the clone, and then everything else, yeah, it's logically baked in. Yeah. And the other aspect of it, too, is that it isn't a new story. No. It's just a very clever... And this is not in any way an, uh, a, sl- uh, a, mm. a shot against the film or an insult to it. It's just... Oh, it's Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. It's just the cheapest, most economical mm-hmm. version of. I'm, I'm. We are recording this the day after uh, Ricker Howard I died. Got his, it. his death was revealed, and it, yeah, it's horrible. And people were making jokes on Twitter about how, well, Roy Batty did die in 2019. It's like, no, stop it. No, that's not right. But the idea that we um, we understand in our bones, we understand the narratives of these things. The mm. idea that a limited lifespan character mm. in Sam Bell not. Daddy, not Rick yeah, Howard. there's a sort of familiarity to it, yeah. isn't there? But 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 it, but but I think that that aids with the story as well. Oh, absolutely, you know, yeah. It's, um, it's the milieu that's different. Yeah, you know, like it's a working class, basic engineering level thing, rather than the the gorgeous, aestheticized world of of Blade Runner, where yeah. you know you you linger on lighting and columns and and buildings and and the shine of a spinner's wheels yeah. this is really just about what it would be like to live on yeah. on another part of that world or and then you have a sort of i mean not digressing but you have you know ex machina which mm-hmm. was such a yeah. different you know again it was this much more of an ai world but but again becoming a human and having this feeling of escape and wanting mm-hmm. to be real and 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 also limited in, in its uh, locations to yes, one Yes, I was place. just going to bring that up. I, I actually wrote that down because <laughs> I just said, you know, uh, uh, Astronaut is got... We, we actually, we ended up using three main locations. But, um, and, and we had to... Originally, the story was huge. You know, there was a whole sequence in space. There was... He was on the ISSS. He went for a spacewalk. And, and uh, there was a cop chase. That is and a very was, different movie. From it was that. a very different movie. And then I realised that, you know, first-time feature film director, and I don't come like the brilliant Duncan Jones from a commercial background. I come from being in front of the camera for over 30 years. So I come. I have a very different background to approaching um, making my first film. But, but I realised that I wasn't going to get $10 million to make this film. It was just not going to happen. And so we drilled down on the budget and we, we, we drilled down on the story too. And we tried to keep distilling um, the story. And what is this story really about? Well, it's about love. It's about second chances. It's about friendship. And it's about um, achieving your dreams. And once I got that, I just, okay, this is what I've got to go for. And even I had to have three big locations. So they say, you know, when you're writing, try and set it in one room. Mm-hmm. you know and, and good luck with that one <laughs> you know but they did you know it was in one location it was okay they had the kitchen and uh and moon and they had the basement to go to and they did have outside but it was it wasn't you can't spend any time there it's yeah, inhospitable yeah you? inhospitable world yeah, so. yeah it's fascinating I, I understand that in terms of functionality it just makes sense to make the film as as cheaply and and easily as possible but it also makes sense to me that if you're an actor for this long you're going to look for the emotional hooks rather than the plot beats and so you would winnow it down to just who these people are and what they're doing yeah yeah and you know 
I mean, I, I spent a lot of time at my mum's nursing home and it was an um, interesting world because it was it was a lovely nursing home, but um, it was could be a very sad place too yeah, because, sure. you know, you're on your last, your last journey, right? And it's your last home. Um, but there was sort of humour in it too. But the, the thing is that the, the script of Astronaut is sparse because... Uh, it's quite a quiet place, a retirement home, or a we call them nursing homes in England. Sure. Um, but 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 there's not a lot of chat. You know, my mum wouldn't engage with anybody. You know, she really didn't want to talk to anybody. She was very depressed. She she kept to her room. She uh, and and that was interesting too because I, as an actor, on working on some great shows, TV shows, and also some pretty bad ones, <laughs> you do get your pen. And you do cross out your lines and say, that's, you don't, we don't need, we can do it with a look. We right, can do it right. with a look. And I trusted, and luckily enough, I had fantastic producers who also trusted me, and, and together we worked very well as a team, that handing the script over to actors such as Richard Dreyfus, Graham Greene, Confiel, Krista Bridges, Eric Ben, and Richard Lawrence, that they could do so much with, with, with very little, you know, with just the kind of intent. Of, of, of what the character felt at the time and and that was quite important to me so um, yeah the next one I do Nexus is, is a much darker piece and it's it's a solitary piece much more of a solitary piece so it's going to be a challenge to do it I'll be watching Moon again I was going to say that if you've picked a film that you can certainly lift from yeah yeah I mean they say steal from the best don't they um, but but yeah there are uh, and you learn from the best you know you learn how did they do that and how did he achieve that tone I mean uh, uh, flashy camera angles have never really um, been been attractive unless they mean something mm-hmm. if they mean something it, it, it was great but actually if you look at the way Moon was shot it, it 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 had a sort of steady tone to it and it had a rhythmic tone and actually the, the film starts with him running on a treadmill and that rhythmic beat is kind of there mm-hmm. well and, and the wheels of the vehicles yeah the wheels of the vehicle is... the pace of the character's um, you know uh, day as he gets through it He's having his hair cut by the by the robot. Mm. He's he's making his breakfast, his tea. It's got a, a washes, he showers, he sleeps, he wakes up. The clocks. It was all perfectly pitched. The tone was perfectly pitched. Yeah, it's very circular as well in the yeah. addition of a new character and the removal of an old one, and yeah. all the, the themes come back and and yeah. around again, over and over yeah, again. Yeah, life goes on. Right? Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a hamster wheel. I mean, yeah. it is a hamster wheel for him. Yeah. For for uh, for a version of Sam. Yeah, but those moments of horror too, going back to Moon, with, yeah. when he finds, I mean, I think one of the most heartbreaking moments also in the film was when he finds out what they actually have been doing with the clones. They put them in that machine, and I think he finds some dust. The incinerator, yeah. And it's an incinerator, and. And that guy, you know, the, the guy, the, the effects of the guy saying, well done, now have a good nap yeah. and you're going to be home soon. And it, it just, oh. oh. it's monstrous. Yeah, it really is. It's, um, and it makes sense. That's the worst part. Yes. There's nothing in the film that feels unbelievable. Yeah. Once they've established the value of the thing that they're mining yeah. and the, of course, this is a solution someone yeah. would come up with. I mean, I've already express my disgust with the imaginary world of it but it's yeah, it's yeah. so well realized it's yeah. and also bread in our bones from alien and silent running and just the, again the, this 
grand history of 70s sci-fi films where you didn't win. Yeah. Like Soylent Green doesn't go well yeah. for anybody. And I wonder how hard Duncan Jones, um, being an acclaimed uh, commercials director at the time, mm-hmm. had to fight for that. I mean, you know, I wonder, getting financed, um, I believe Trudy Styler was a producer of the film. I think so, yeah. But, but you know, did he... I, I, I'd love to know if he had to fight for his vision because you do, you know, you have these fights where people are reading your scripts and they're going, well, we want a happy ending. Yeah. We don't want, uh, you know, your character to die. We don't want that. What, uh, You know, and I remember pitching Astronaut two years ago to a producer and he was great and he said, you know, but we, we like it, but can the dog talk? <laughs> in dreams? <laughs> well, in the end, I was going, yeah, that's a really good idea. So I just go, oh, God. Just give me the money. To just read that and come up with... Yeah. yeah. I, I don't no, know which version just, of the script it would have been, but I don't yeah, see a place it's for just, it. It's just, well, I suppose, because it's got... It, it, it's a fairy tale astronaut, isn't it? Sure. It's a fable. And it, it's got a little bit of magical realism with a comet. It's got... So I guess the rules could be that the dog could suddenly turn around all, but possibly sure. not. Possibly. I would rather... Yeah. Yeah. You need to hold that stuff yeah. back. There are certain leaps that... Yeah. Films can accommodate, yeah. and here we have a you know a room filled with clones that are in boil bags waiting to be used, and that's fine. Yeah. We're, we're accepting that. Yeah. I'm I'm rejecting the idea of the dog talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 completely. It's for the best. But the um, yeah, we we've sort of touched on it already. But the 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 podcast always rolls around to the question of what of your own work has been influenced. What have you borrowed or lifted or stolen or quoted from from Moon specifically? Is there anything you've incorporated into your own creative DNA? I think. Um, I think it's influenced me enormously. You know, it's the simplicity. I think was something that 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 we discussed when we were shooting Astronaut, and I said this is not a big Steadicam piece. This is pretty static and and allowing time. I mean, but on the next one, Nexus, I think I will be trying to pilfer as much as I possibly can from that because it's got that. Nexus is a, a, a it's got a it's about a female astronaut who returns from space and something's happened to her up there and she can't reconnect to her husband or her young twins or life on earth and it's it's she's having an existential crisis and and she's been a successful woman and she's 45 and so it also of course but it has that kind of uh, funnily enough ordinary people when I first started working on the 5,000 draft, draft of Nexus, mm. I, I told the producer that, I said, God, ordinary people keeps flashing to my head. And I think it's just, again, that, that, that quietness that Moon has at, at times that I would like to emulate for Nexus to, to try and bring that in as well. So again, it's not a big flashy sci-fi piece, it's something that is very, it's a very recognisable world seen from a different lens, from my protagonist Catherine's way of looking at the world. And it's about identity too, yeah, so. That's interesting. Mm. And this wave of, well, films, television, all of it about space travel and, and earthbound space travel, realistic, imaginary mm. space travel, where we want to believe that we are better at this than we currently are as a species and we're just, a, you know, a couple of years behind where the movies are taking us. Is there, I mean, Moon was 10 years ago, um, Astronaut is current, there's a film called Red Rover with Christian Brune and, and Cara G. Oh, I haven't uh, seen it. It was at the Canadian Film Festival, it's quite good. Wow. It's from, it's the reverse of your film, actually. What's it it's called? About, it's called Red Rover, and it stars uh, Christian, who's 
friend of the podcast, yeah. uh, and Kara is too. And in fact, most of the people in the movie are friends of the show. Um, Christian plays a um, an engineer who has uh, his marriage has collapsed. He's living in his own basement now, renting it while they figure out the sale of the house. And his wife is his ex wife has taken in a new boyfriend, and he's depressed and sad and decides to volunteer for a space mission a one-way ticket to mars wow so the, it's part of it is a reality show oh, game yeah send in your audition and he so he befriends uh, a young woman who's handing out the flyers effectively for this promotion mm-hmm. and it becomes about his decision to leave everything behind and what that would mean and and what it does to his relationships mm-hmm. and and it's it's actually Pretty clever. Um, the director Shane Belcourt, who made Toronto a few years oh, back. Oh, right. I'm going to remember that. Yeah, I'll write it down I'll, at the I'll end. Do the information, and it's probably going to be opening in the fall, I think, mm-hmm. or in the spring. But it premiered at uh, yeah, it premiered here in March at the Canadian Film Festival. Well, it sounds really, really up my comfort, my my street. Yeah, because there was Clara last year too, yeah. which I actually saw and I really enjoyed it. I didn't see it at TIFF. I saw it. Um, I watched a, a link somebody sent me, <laughs> but um, the producer sent me, but um. There is a real trope now. There's a real group of films that yeah. are coming out and uh, all about space and return and who are we and and it I feels I, almost like it's it's been percolating somehow. Long yeah, I mean, I started I started Nexus five years ago, university four years ago, university. Yeah, that's okay. when I started developing it, and you know they've got Ad Astra coming out. And yeah, tons of other stuff. So, and you hope it people don't grow weary of it, but because I think they're human stories. Um, I think that there's a return to that somehow. You know, we've had the massive Avengers and the big budget, huge movies, which we, we my husband and I all see, you know, we sure. see all the time, and they're great. But, but now you need something that maybe questions our place in the universe a bit more and, and why are we here and who are we and interests me that. Yeah, I think we've finally come back around to where we were in the late 60s, just trying to figure out, okay, we are going to the moon what does it really mean what mm. is it does it change our perspective of, of humanity mm. uh are we starting to think about it or now is it just that the martian made it all financially viable to produce films well yeah sense, but... i mean i i love space travel i mean rich drifts and i would talk about this and he'd say would you go and i went oh yeah i'd go i mean i'm really claustrophobic so i'd have to take a lot of drugs to go or something right, yes. psychiatrist trapped strapped, strapped in next to me but <laughs> but i'd go as long as i could come back um but there is something about that incredible, and especially as you get to older, as you get to my age, you sort of think, I'd like to have one look at the Earth from space, really be there and just see. I mean, I write a lot about space, so I can, I've been there in my imagination, but sure. to actually been there, be, be there and just see how we are connected to the universe and our place really in it is, is, is it would be such a profound thing to do. But I think you have to be... Um, you have to be certain, certainly brave to do it. I mean, Richard wants to go too. He's always mm. wanted to go. Yeah. Oh, that again, you know, close encounters, right? You're just yeah. dealing that. You say that, and my first thought is the flash the of him encounter. looking up. Yeah, yeah. As a younger man, four years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, my my, I tried to explain it to somebody once, and it's like, it would be like meeting a dragon. It's probably going to kill you, <laughs> but you know, you get to meet a dragon. Yeah, you get to meet a dragon. I, yeah. I could sort of. I could see myself doing this, the space travel with the same idea that, you know, there are horrific risks and yet we all want it. Yeah. I, I'm a few people probably don't, but I think I would like to think most of us would be I think be it's an exciting, it. too. It's a, it's a very exciting 
um, concept too. And, and, you know, you hear uh, physicists and, and, and people talking about it. And, and a friend of mine's brilliant. He did all the research for the film on, on Astronaut mm. because it may not show, but my God, we researched every single thing. We researched the composition of roads and the likelihood of a runway collapsing. And it's phenomenal when people say, oh, I didn't really believe. And I go, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, I did research. I, I, I had a blowout on a, on a drive I was doing. And it was the third tyre that had exploded on, on a, a motorway at home. And I said to the guy that came, I said, what's going on? He said, oh, he said, these roads aren't what they used to be, love. He said, they're not made the same way. So I thought, that's what Angus can do. He can be a civil engineer. So I called up a big, big major road company. I mean, very famous, won't mention them. And I said, look, could this ever happen? Could? And he said, well, it's unlikely. But actually, funnily enough, he reminded me of something yeah. that we were all flown out to um, the United Arab Emirates quite recently because they had spent millions on laying a racetrack, a, a motorway, you know, run, run for cars. Right. And on their first trial, all the cars slid off because they had laid it with a certain type of limestone that was completely wrong. For the environment? Mm. Oh, okay. And they slipped off. And I thought, yeah, it's plausible. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, okay, well, that's fine. We'll go. So, uh, you know, there are always mistakes, aren't there? Um, yeah. I don't know how I got onto that. but Well, no, I think it's part of, it's part of our, our uh, exploration as a, as a species is that we, we're constantly chasing the new thing and forgetting the old thing. Yeah. Um, I, there was a some viral thing the other the other day on Twitter about do you remember this and it's like yeah that's a video cassette or that's a maybe it was an audio cassette but it was just something yes of course I remember this I'm not twenty yeah yeah, um, yeah. and the twenty year olds are oh and it was the Robert Redford thing like the, the idea that we're catering to these short blip memories and it's not their it's not the kids' fault yeah. they don't know it yeah. they just don't have the breadth of experience and then you realize oh that's right I'm the guy now saying well if you knew these things if you were as my age and you'd pay yeah, attention yeah 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 that's yeah. cruel but you know that's what books are for yeah I know but uh, I've got a 24 year old daughter so you know it's, yeah yeah I know I know I know but actually my brother worked for a, a very well known Canadian bank for 30 years he was the head of PR public relations and uh, he told me when I was writing this I said, oh, well, I need some help here. He lives in Canada. And I said, and he said, well, um, funnily enough, uh, when the millennium happened, we had to call all the old guys in because in case there was a crash, right, because sure. in case the computers crashed and they were the only ones that knew how to fix it. Yeah. So, of course, that went straight into the film. You know, I just use that as an example of Angus fighting his corner. But but it was true. Um And, you know, all the, the young bots were going, what happens? What happens? What do we do? <laughs> So I think, you know, the elderly are really marginalised and should be absolutely seen and heard. Yeah. I mean, I assume by the time I'm old enough to worry about this stuff, they'll just incinerate me the way they do with the Sam Bell clones. But uh, it would be nice if there was something to do when I'm 80 instead of just be a briquette. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine just ever not having the amount of energy I've got and, and wanting to be involved because... Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's funny because I go into shops now and people say things like, oh, my mother's like that. And I'm dreading the day when they say, oh, my grandmother's like that. But, you know, yeah. then I can go around spreading my wisdom. Right? Exactly. You'll be more If valuable. I've learned anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, shout it at them. Yeah. <laughs> my thanks to Sheila McLeod, whose debut feature, Astronaut, is playing in Toronto and Vancouver right now and available for rental and purchase on iTunes and Google Play Music. Thanks also to Robin Mogul. 
She knows what she did. You can find Sheila on Twitter at Sheila McLeod, all one word, and you can find Moon on Blu-ray, DVD, and a new 10th anniversary 4K release from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play, and streaming in the U.S. on Fandor and Crackle, and in Canada on Amazon Prime. As for those other movies we were just talking about, Red Rover is still awaiting a theatrical release, but you can find Clara on iTunes and Google Play right now, and you should check out writer-director Akash Sherman's Semcast on the entire Star Wars saga. He's a friend of the show, too. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps. It truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening, and check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network. There's a lot of them. They're pretty good. See you next week. Yeah.